Uh, no. Come on. iPod. Phone. You know what? If someone keeps moving my DS, or it grew legs. I mean, I could have sworn I put it right here on the counter. I don't know anyone who would want to play games on a Nintendo DS. Surely not me. Oh, really? But if I did know someone like that, that someone <clears throat> might have left it by the image. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's that's okay, Dalkin. Well, I still have a half a box of Donitos left. Anyone want a bag for the trip home? Ooh, me, 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 me. Me! Sure, why not? I'll take any <clears throat> extras that are left. Okay, Janathus. Just this once, you get two. Thanks, Sherry. Hey, Janathus. I know you brought all those smaller boxes down for moving equipment and whatnot, but did you happen to bring any larger boxes? More person-sized? Because, you know, I kind of need to get going. Oh, please tell me you're not thinking of mailing yourself again. No, Wolfgang. I won't hear of it. It's too risky. Don't worry. We'll make sure you get home safe and sound. And you'll have our witty conversation to keep you occupied during the trip. Ride home with people, you say? Hmm. Well, I suppose I could give it a try, and really, how can I refuse? Well, you can't. That's for sure. And speaking of preparations, has anyone seen Moog? I haven't, and that's kind of strange. He's usually around. Well, I see he's already packed everything, but his recording gear. You don't think he's in the rush to leave, do you? Boy, are my ears burning. Moog! <clears throat> we were just... We were wondering if you were doing okay with TCT closing down. Oh, oh not to worry. I'm, I'm not really sure we're done for good, and I figure we could all use a break for a while anyway. You know, to let the creative juices stockpile again. I just went out to take some pictures with my new camera before I packed it away. Oh, and I forgot my camera. Are you going to post those on Flickr? Oh, of course. I'll be posting links once I have it all compiled into an album, which shouldn't be long after I get home. Hey, everyone. While it's wonderful you have a head start on packing and getting ready to hit the road, did you forget we still have a podcast to get done? Oh, Mr. Managerial Producer, we haven't forgotten. Have a bag of Donitos. And shush while we get organized. Not every one of us has all of our belongings in such a tightly controlled anal retentive pile like you do. He what? Anthony, sometimes you can be such a nerd. Well, you know, it takes one to know one. I'll have you know how I resemble that remark. I can't believe this is our last podcast. Well, it's been three years. How long did you think TCT would last? Hey, I didn't have a whole news feed dedicated just to me. I've had the struggle. Begging and pleading for mean editorial producers to give me a spot. Oh, you exaggerate. Besides, when was the last time anything came out on the extra? Oh, quit. Both of you. It may not be our last podcast as much as our last topside podcast. Which is to say, if and when we reconvene, it'll be in Cavern. So, back to the Cavern or die trying? More or less, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. So, we have to lug all this stuff back down again? <laughs> we should have just stayed in Cavern and avoided all the moving around in the first place. Well, I'm sure we would have if the DRC hadn't given us all the heave-ho. Heave-ho! <laughs> I just... Go on, I just thought it was funny. If it's any consolation, though, I'm, I'm sure we can link in with the new equipment. Sure, it'll it'll be a lot of linking, but with any luck, we'll only have to have to do all of this one more time. Did you say one more time? Dalkin! <laughs> Sorry, I just couldn't resist. Okay, topside five. Let's do this.
Around the world and across the ages, this is the December 2008 edition of the Kevin Today Topside, and this is your host, Wolfgang D. So here we are at the end of 2008, and the end of the topside progression of the Kevin Today. Yes, it was a somewhat short-lived leg of the TCT, and I have picked an interesting podcast from my hosting debut, but all is not lost. As we gather together to celebrate the holidays with our families and loved ones, we also celebrate a light of hope on the horizon. As Cyan has recently announced they'll be making Uru open source. While the details are still sketchy, a more definite future for Uru means a more definite future for the Cavern Today. Topside is still done, but that doesn't mean the Cavern Today is. It seems fitting that we should begin this podcast with a short retrospective of the Cavern Today, and our ever-handy Janathus has graciously supplied me with a script, lest I get too verbose or wander off of any random tangents. So the Cavern Today began in the days of Unto Uru, launching our first episode in September 2005, which was actually before I'd even heard of them. It's hard to believe that we've been around for over three years, for a game that was already two years into its obsolescence at our start. This strange combination owes its existence to the uniqueness of Uru, and also, more importantly, the uniqueness of the Mist and Uru community. Out of that beginning, the Cavern Today has changed quite dynamically. At the start, there was actually news of forthcoming Mist games, these days, though we're looking forward to another revival of Uru, there's really no great hope of any new Mist games. At least not at this point. So just as a short count of the many things the TCT has done over the years, we've developed our audio talents, cultivated theatrical fanfiction audio dramas, and interviewed Sianus to plenty. Nearer to the current day, we've moved away from some of the more serious content into comedic skits and laid-back chat segments. The Euro community has had a lot of ups and downs, and it's our hope here at the Cavern Today that we've helped keep the community on in the up and up, by catering to your news and entertainment needs and wants, if not only just fleshing out our talents for delivering such items to you. And speaking of delivering, lest I run out of script and Babylon incessantly in its place, here we are at the fifth Topside Podcast, just in time for the holiday season. This podcast features some of the staples of our show, like the Moog Thought and TCT Talk, as well as some new content, including musical pieces from hereto unheard musical talents present in our TCT staff. We hope you enjoy Topside 5, an ending to an era. You may be familiar with our Dalton Starbine, but did any of you know that he is a musician? Here is his first featured piece in the Cavern Today called A Tribute to Uru. Sure, I again. Dalton Starbine here. This next bit is just a small piece I composed when I was thinking about Uru and all the things I like about it, and all the great memories that come with that simple word, Uru. 
It is what I feel and think when I personally think of Uru and is, in all senses of the term, a tribute to Uru. listening to another edition of TCT Talk, our roundtable chatterbox about the goings-on in the Capricorn community. With us today, we have... Anthony. Alumna. Falcon Starvine. Morris. Janathus. Lego. Wolfgang. And me, Jerry. <laughs> All right, good. Open Uru. Oh, my Yay. goodness. Welcome to you, wow. you two. So, who here was rooting for this? I was... Me? I'm yes. happy that I'm not. I don't know. I'm not really entirely sure about it yet. It surprised me how apathetic I felt about it. I just was like, "Oh, okay." I was completely unsurprised how apathetic I felt. <laughs> um, it was par, I just—it's par for the course. I just raised my hand and said, "I'm just a tourist." 
I'm a tourist. <laughs> I'm going to just, uh, yeah, you know, I'm a cannon junkie. So I'm like, okay, I'm cool. Whatever. If I could walk around the cavern, wave at a few people. Hi, how you doing? Maybe see something new. Take a neat little key shot. I am good. You know, it's not exactly apathy. But at the same time, I've been reading the forums and and looking at everything, and the bickering has already started. Yeah, everything sure. is just they're they're really going at each other, and it is a moment of I shall sit back and watch in wonder as a apps well as a what is it a culture reforms itself. So that's what I think. I I, I read through obsession, and the only bickering I'm seeing is what type of server it should run on. It it seems pretty uniform in terms of it's good, it's um, what the community needs to move forward. What kind of bickering are you seeing? Uh, if you look over at the MOUL forums, you're actually seeing some debate over whether it should even be open source, because a lot of people don't want content from anyone but science. Debate on the well, MOUL they can control forums? It. Just don't go to the pages. Scratch your own back. If I can be completely candid, I'm going to be surprised if this gets off the ground at all. The problem oh? is, as soon as people well, have the source code... I- People are going to run with it. And even if they're not from the Uru yeah. community, you're going to have people taking this stuff apart. This is a high-quality game, and all its graphics, all its code are now in the public, or to will some be. extent, we don't know which extent yet, will be in the right. public domain. I mean, of course or, people are going to start taking it apart. I'll take it apart. I'm a CS major. I enjoy taking code apart, but I don't necessarily see this going anywhere. The thing is, open source can go anywhere you want it to. Yeah. Anyone, like, anyone can remaster the game. It could be ported. It can go anywhere. It's not just confined to what is Uru, what we understand as Uru. It can be anything yep, we want. It isn't that... And therein lies potential. Yes, but you don't want it to go places that isn't Uru either. Isn't Uru Well, either. yes and no. I mean... It. <laughs> right. Someone else might find great use with the code that's not in Uru. Someone might want to make an open source MMO that... Sorry, that wasn't actually what I... Yeah, you can take the code. I meant taking <laughs> Uru someplace that Uru isn't. I would love to use some of that code and build things off of it, but building Uru off of Uru that isn't Uru, there's so much potential, but that's the problem. Unbounded potential is a horrible, horrible but wonderful thing. <laughs> well, <clears throat> well, that's why you have three different versions of Linux. You have 300 different versions... And each one scratches another person's back. Maybe we'll see that with shards. We'll see 300 different shards, but each one holds something new for a new person. Choice is good. If there were that many shards, I mean, we don't have a giant community. I mean, we it have will be self-governing. If you get too many shards, they'll actually divide, uh, divide, recombine until you have. What natural, community can support? The natural equilibrium. You'll also have people from the open source world coming in to look at this new thing. It's like, ooh, cool, open source game with good graphics from, like, with a really good lineage. You're going to have people in the open source community that are so interested in this. They, even if they don't care about MMOs, if, even if they don't care about Uru, they're going to come and look at this and see what they can do with it. They're going to port it. They're going to fork it. And there's going to be a whole new audience, people who are open source, like Stallman-esque open source. You don't get video game engines that open source that often. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think a lot of this is going to come down to exactly what is covered under what license, because yeah. from what I from what I'm seeing, it's just going to be the engine and the server code that's going to be open source, and of course the the, the plugin for 3ds Max. Um, but the content itself, I don't think, is actually going to be released under that sort of license. So there may be limitations as far as you know the missed intellectual property, what people can and can't do with it as Uber. Now that's not to say that. You know, somebody can't take the server code and go off and start their own completely different game without any of the Uber content in it in a completely different intellectual property universe. But I think it's still a little too early to, to really be able to get a feel for what people are going to be allowed to do with it as Uber just yet. I think that maybe we'll see the content come out under Creative Commons because I know Cyan doesn't want that's very valuable intellectual property. Yeah. All the same, they've said open source and open source means a particular thing. GPL, as much as I am a fan of the GPL, it is too broad for this. This they could do a lot of damage GPL. There are all kinds of different licenses. They could do an MIT license, GPL. Yes, take random letters out of a hat and try to make acronyms. <laughs> Flurry <laughs> uh, of acronyms, active. This will all sound smart. Oh, I know. Uh, Your eyes scrabble in front of me. Let me fix them up. BSD license. What about the intellectual property in the resources? Like as an example, that that Second Life. Uh, I think they made uh, they made Agura in Second Life. They did. And um, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty close approximation to what's in Nuru. I mean, it's it's obviously has the limitations that the uh, Second Life engine has, but. Is, is that something that reaches beyond what people should be allowed to do with the Cyan resources? And if that is allowed, then we probably are going to have carte blanche when, when Uru is made open. Well, yeah. that's an incredibly academic discussion because essentially in the digital age, everything is essentially open but subject to all of these laws, some of which don't actually correctly apply. I did research mm-hmm. about... Um, how there's legal limitations as to the digital world, like just in terms of intellectual property and actual physical property. But but yeah, you can make Agura on Second Life, I guess. But the question is, that's because it's out there. Everything is out there now. You can't stop that. Re- reining it back in just a little bit. Um, yes. Are we uh, at least excited for the potential? I mean, oh yeah. yeah. And, yes. Yeah, if, if you if you jump past all the technicalities, don't you reach a point where like I can't wait to get back to X, Y, and Z, wherever you particularly wish to get back to in Cavern. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, I can't I've got... wait to see what kind of improvements they might be able to do to the engine and stuff that they've always wanted to do, but no one ever had the means something resources like, or time. It's something like lag-free roofs. interface anyone? <laughs> exactly. Better interface. Yeah. Somebody fix the key. See, when you start to talk about potential, this is like opening a whole new barrel of monkeys. When you crowdsource something like this, you don't know what's going to come out. Could be ugly. Oh, yeah. I'm saying it, I'm going to guess it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I mean, well, the community came out with... Everyone remembers the user Kai and the admin Kai, right? Yeah. Or key, whatever no, wants I, that, that, was before, that was before my time. Could you explain that? Um, okay. It was a little device that they managed to hack into the original Uru engine, the Uru Live until Uru released engine. And they managed to use the methods to get game files to work on Uru that weren't originally in there. Oh. And... It allowed you to do things like you could jump extra high, or you could uh, go back to your Rialto, and all that sort of stuff, without having to... 
Link Big point. Arch dance. Yeah. Make a dance with arch. <laughs> well, that's the admin key. Yeah, that's a little yeah, bigger. <laughs> yeah. That's changing the way that the game fundamentally works. Like exactly. changing colors, moving entire objects around. If you want to see spectacular use, we managed to make the cavern look icy. Nice. If you were looking in the Mist Online forums, you would see a post by Tweak. He has a proposal for the reconfiguring of the Nexus interface. He also has a talk about the key interface. Those are things that I've seen in the Mist Online forums that are on their to-do lists. Okay, that mm-hmm. everybody, the first thing off the bat is fixing the key, fixing oh, the UI. Geez, awful. Those, are the, those are the two things that are the first and foremost on everyone's mind. Now, what it is that you have with open source is that some people are going to resist things. They're, go- they're going to resist going away from the core of Iru. They, they are. They're going to resist that. But you know what? It's a really good time to uh, sit back and reevaluate your community values, you know, the core value system. The thing is, depending on the license, it would be perfectly natural to set up a special shard where Uru is kept predominantly static or with a specific canon that's either approved or approved by some new moderator. Truth in that. A lot of truth in that. With UU2... Just want to say a quick welcome back to all the people who weren't supported by GameTop. Welcome back, yeah. guys. Yeah, welcome back. Hey. Your time, no more forging subcounts. But I did that. You know, some people, they're going to have to really start branching out and having some tolerance. I mean, I'm sorry, but some things are you're going to like, some things you are not going to like, but there are things that you just have to sit back and say I'm going to have some tolerance with this I'm going to go where I like to go I'm not going to go to the places where I don't like you know that tolerance and that the heartbeat of the community is really that tolerance because you have to make a decision are you Denis or are you Terani are you going to step on people to get to where you want to go to make your shard what it is or are you going to stick with the basic Rebuilding, you know, pitching the tents, rolling up the shirt sleeves, and working together as a whole. Because you're going to find people who are going to be like, oh, it's my way or the highway. And, you know, that's not going to fly within the community. And we all know nice it. Metaphor, by the way. At, at some point, somebody who is running a server or something is going to throw their weight around. You know what's going on. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It's oh, happened without, before. It happened in UUU. People are going to be people. Sorry. There were a few comments I saw on the Mist Online forums that absolutely made me blanch. It made me blanch because you see how much free license people really want to take with this. And for me, it's not about taking the free license. It's about expanding the creativity that you know you believe is within the Mist universe. I mean, me personally, I hope to goodness somebody goes and put pitches a bunch of tents down in at the ferry docks because hey, hey. this would be something that is really awesome you know you can go have a tent and help out you know what do you you know you can walk up to the shard admin and say what do you need tested what can i help with and these little things i mean there've got to be small things that people can do be oh, yeah. it just just cheer people on. but this leads us into another bullet point 
talking about explorer-based initiatives and their importance. The Spoken Word Night, the Party on the Roof, all of those people who did all those amazing initiatives. Because while these things are being built, these people are going to start opening these shards, but they're going to be under construction. What do you do during the time of construction? If you're not somebody who can use 3DS Max, if you are not someone who can texture design. Play like you used to in UU. Spoken word night can be held on something like, uh, what was it, TeamSpeak or some other uh, widely used chat client. And we can, there's so many different tools we can use that would um, more accurately replicate the functionality we used to have in MOUL. Uh, the functionality that may not be actually working at the time we received this code. So we there will probably be a lot of hacked alternatives, but I still believe that this community will not wait for it to actually be stable. We played uh, from sorry from people <laughs> that I've heard who played the the beta. It was not stable. It was laggy. It was awful. But we loved it. Okay, yeah, yeah I, I remember. I was there for it wasn't stable. It was laggy. It was everything. <laughs> My point is, people are going to want something to do. And those people who are a part of those explorer-based initiatives, like the cat, like all those fun things that we've done, they have to come back. They have a purpose. You know, I was yeah. uh, back in Prologue, I was in the DLA, the Denis League of Activities. We had cone kicking matches. We had Eddie's soccer. We had all kinds of stuff that we did, which because we knew that it takes time for these things to build up. So my point is, is that these explorer-based initiatives, they are very much needed again. Yes. Well, and the point, yeah, they are incredibly important, especially since if it's going to be like UU for a very long time, at least I assume for a long time, we're only going to have the most basic functionality equal to about what UU was. So it's going to be all on the shoulders of the explorers. And we need these initiatives. Even when we did have new content with Guru Alive, it was really all of them driving the huge spaces between so, things. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, all, I have a quick question. I'm all for that. Regarding things like the uh, spoken word night and the up on the roof and all these things, back in UU, since I wasn't really in UU except for Damala, was there like a an activity shard or anything like that? In Damala? No, in UU, I, like I before Damala. In, uh, Tapestry had an activity shard, but it was for large activities. Maztec yeah. ran the DLA shard, which we had nothing but activities. That's where the Dunny Games were born. So, yeah, we had a purely activities-based one uh, for a while. And right. God well, bless yeah, Maztec now. now. I was thinking that, was that would be my time. for that kind of thing then, you know. Maybe uh, when this gets up and running, you know, like you said, when people are still having things under construction, that's where things could happen. You know what I think would really help? would be if um, some of the limitations could be overcome, like um, uh, more than just you being in uh, the cleft. Because think of, of what kind of a welcoming party you could have for, for newcomers if we had people at the cleft. That would be, that would be impressive. Uh, they did that with the admin key. They were able, uh, yeah, you could do it with admin key, but it was unstable. Let's just leave it that. Uh, you could yeah. kill a shard doing it that way. <laughs> back then. Come on, yes. how impressive is that? You killed the shard just to welcome a few people. <laughs> is that they not say, say caring to you? We crashed the <laughs> server just to welcome you in. I don't know, I don't think it's really all that impressive that you could crash your server in UU. 
No. No. <laughs> let's say you could crash the server in such a way that the database was unrecoverable. You want to crash yeah. the uh, It'll take some work to make it so you can actually use the uh, the cleft for more than one person. Because well, yeah. it is buggy. There's been a lot of talk about making the shard uh, the uh, the cleft public. It, there really has. They have really started to flesh that out as, you know, because they want people to meet up there. Because And they're also talking about, and this I love, because the tunnel has already been started. If you've ever climbed to the top of the volcano, even though you fall through space and have to panic link, you still see that the opening to the, to the tunnel is there. They're talking about being able to get to Dunny proper by going through the tunnel system. From oh, that would be cool. That yeah. would be that would be um, awesome That's one yeah. thing I always wanted to do with admin guy. Those two are those two uh, are different um, areas, different maps, and everything. So there there would have to be some kind of load point in there. All kinds of logistics. Ah, that's where you use the little trick of the uh, rest points. Yes, take a rest mm-hmm. in the Denny rest area. Yeah, I mean they could augment them with cutscenes. Call it what you will. I mean, if they want to, they can even go back to the cannon and talk about those two giant digging machines that Anna found, you remember, because remember, there was the big cave-in, and they left, Grinder was one of them, and what was the other one? Come on, help me, Ken and Junkie. Stone Tooth. Stone Tooth, thank you. You had those two. There is the ability to add in these pieces to see what Anna saw as she descended into into the cavern. And the, I mean, forget even coming up with the texture for Nara. All of these little things, that is what is possible. This is what's coming into play. So, I mean, there mm-hmm. is a journey in itself just to open up the tunnel system to head down into Denis. And for heaven's sakes, for any of us who have played World of Warcraft, guys, the boats are possible. Get us some boats from where we come out of the tunnel system to um, Agura. Get the boats running, for goodness sake. Yeah, I think that's actually a, a really uh, interesting way to, you know, make those types of load times more seamless is, like, those those cutscenes. Because, you know, you load up for a cutscene, but at the same time you load up for the new map. It doesn't seem as much as, okay, I'm just loading between zones. It's yeah. you load up a cutscene, and then all of a sudden, you know, ooh, cutscene, pretty, and then you're, you're going off through the, the, the map. They're using a technology like that in World of Warcraft. It's called phasing. And in a phase, what you do is that you have seen up to a certain point, and then you get the cutscene, and then when you come out of it, you're in a different area. It, it changes what's around you completely. Yeah, and that technology is actually in uh, Uru. Is it? Uh, we Good. Yeah. We messed, you could mess around with it. It wasn't as... Uh, triggered as in World of Warcraft, but you can turn things on and off so that they mm-hmm. appear or don't appear, even though they're still there. So you can give it an if this has been done, then you see this in yes. the programming code, yes? Yeah, so, that would be possible. The real trick, though, is that everything needs to be loaded for a specific age in advance. That's why you have that enormous loading time for places like Garrison, even if you're not getting to, you know, if you link into. Um, the, the upper level of the training center, and that's all you can look at, you're still loading everything else, even if it's not turned on. There really, as far as I know, I haven't really looked at the code, but you know, from my interactions while I was dealing with it at Cyan, there isn't really a way to 
selectively load certain things within a world or, you know, load another age while you're in a different one. So you can't really shift from zone to zone as, as seamlessly because while you can turn things on and off, you still have to drop out of the current age to load the new one. Are, oh, you, yeah. are you saying there isn't any way for that to be done, period, or just not in Uru? Not right. Well, not in Uru, at least at this point. I'm sure somebody crazy will figure out a way to do it once the source comes out. But, but it doesn't you know. doesn't Uru use calling though? Like, like it doesn't it doesn't uh, fully render things you can't see. Well, yeah, but my my point is like if you were to build the descent all the way from the volcano down into the cavern and across the cavern and into Agura, you would have to load all of that into memory, even if it's not being drawn. Why? Because. <laughs> Because that, because that's how the the age loading works, at least as far as I understand well, it. Yeah, yeah. He's saying the engine's not segmented. Yeah, the engine doesn't designed. have the ability. The engine doesn't mm-hmm. have the ability to you know transition seamlessly from one age to another without unloading the entire thing and then loading the new one completely. Mm-hmm. And that might be able to be added, added, but it'll take some time. A much mm-hmm. more quick way would be things to hide it, like the cutscenes and boat travel mm-hmm. and having to link somewhere and then link somewhere else. We have the creative programmers, I believe, in the community <laughs> that could sit back and say, you know what, when we are in a, it, it, when we're in, when we're in a neighborhood, okay, you get 15 people in there, everything comes to a screeching halt. They're going to be able to fix that now. Oh, boy. If, they, if they can fix having more than 25 people in a neighborhood without it grinding to a halt, what else can they do? Not just creative programmers either. I mean, we have a creative community in general in so many different ways. I mean, like, I do not know, at least at this current point in time, really how to model anything in a 3D program that much at all, much less texture or anything. But I like to think of myself as an idea guy. I'm going to tell you one thing. When I was in there.com, I worked with this fantastic man by the name of Miyandi. I had the idea for a surf shop, and he built me some surfboards, but I needed more stuff. I needed things that could be built. He did not have enough hours in the day for as many ideas as I could pump out to make all of the stuff. And my personal suggestion to anyone is to go to your community college, see if they offer a 3DS Max, a 3DS Max class. Seriously, find out if they do. Sit down with some tutorials, learn, because there are not enough hours in the day for a modeler to create what comes out of our head as ideas. It really, there's not enough hours. And Dalkin, as much as I love you, sweetheart, and I believe in you, I know that you can come up with ideas. And I just want you to get a fighting chance to get that stuff in there. There's a, uh, there's a developer that was on Games for Windows podcast um, about a year ago. He, he said he wanted to get out this one particular point. And it was um, to, the, to the fans or anyone who has suggestions or stuff. He's like, the one thing I am never short on, he says, is ideas. He said it's not, it has nothing to do with not having ideas or not having enough ideas. The problem is, you know, what can you realistically bring to fruition? And that's, that's always the economy of what you want to do and what you can actually do. And I think that's, you know, that's a sticking mm-hmm. point in Cyan. You know, it's, it's, there are times like in, uh, in Warcraft where I, I look at all these, these things and I cannot believe it's, it's like the kitchen sink. You know, they just, you know, I see Ed 210, which is a takeoff on Robocop's Ed 209. I see the Skeddies bird people that look like a takeoff on the Skeksis from the Dark Crystal. Like everywhere you look, there's all kinds of stuff for 
the influences are pretty obvious. And I'm like, not every game can get away with just doing everything in the kitchen sink. But uh, I'm sure everyone, you know, given their druthers, would. You're going to have people who are interested in this new open 3D engine, and they're not going to know anything about Uru, but either they're going to come in and say, what can we do for you? Because we want to learn how to use this new engine that can power future open source games, or they're going to start to explore the community. They're going to start to see um, how great, not to feed our own horn, but how great we are. And they're going to come and contribute their resources. You see that all the time. You have people contributing to open source projects all over the place. And I think that Uru will eventually become a flagship perhaps for this because you have such a such a high quality game in terms of its lineage in terms of its uniqueness you're going to have something completely viral what up well al do you know how much uh, cyan paid for uh had spin when they acquired them i have no clue does anyone know hmm. that was so long ago i that was back when cyan was being really secretive about everything so i don't think any details about that ever came out yeah it just seems kind of a slight shame that you know they acquired this technology to utilize for their their 3D movement, and you know now they're essentially giving it away for free. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing that occurred to me was the um, I wonder if people will will pillage the uh, the Mist Five assets at all. Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah. <clears throat> if you can I... think of it, they'll do it. And yeah. and I, I if there's if, if I had like only one thing that I could see changed. In Uru, it would be that damn texture in front of the library. Just, just the that giant one that's all pixelated. Yeah, the one that looks like it's designed for an object is like the size of a baseball in the game, but it's been stretched up to the, something the size of a building. Yeah, that one. Wait, where was it on? <laughs> on the ground. Oh uh, right yeah, yeah, yeah. Front. Yeah, as soon as you walk toward this, this this arch of a texture, and when they were getting ready to bring Mist Online out, I was like. <clears throat> Are you going to fix that? <laughs> uh, there's all kinds of little graphical tweaks and, and fixes that I'd love to be able to pull off. But I mean, Miss, uh, Miss Five. Wow. Um, I mean, one of the things that I was surprised was when finally that library came around into, um, into uh, MOUL. I sort of linked in there and I said, w- w- why? I thought you were going to at least take the textures from Mist 5 and put them on the wall for, like, continuity's sake. You know, and I was really surprised. I was like, what? Because, I mean, they already kind of established that maybe the library looked like that, but then the door was blown open or something, and it got sort of less light brown. And, yeah, I mean, that's that's something maybe if somebody created enough to say, you know what, modify, dot, 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 you know, got on the ball there. That would be cool. I mean, do I expect uh, it to happen? No, but... And I think a lot of that stuff, especially when it comes to integrating Mist 5, it will come down to what license has the intellectual property of Mist been opened up under, if it has even at all. Because, you know, if if they say, look, you can have the engine, you can have the server, but don't screw around with our stuff, you know, our content, then there's really no legal way to pull in stuff from End of Ages without getting in trouble probably depends solely on how much Cyan will be involved with what we're doing as well. Yeah. True. And that's a really good point, and that's another one of our bullet points. How will Cyan be involved? Will we still have Rawa? <laughs> will we still have Rawa? We covered in Podcast 31 about Rawa and the age-building rules. And he, is he still going to be on our backs as far as continuity and making sure that continuity is priority one? And that even though Cyan doesn't have a direct hand in the process, will they still be here 
to guide and nurture what they started and placed in our hands to build. I mean, seriously. That's, that's a big question. Rand, are you going to abandon there, man? I, I don't think Somehow that... I don't think they're going to abandon what they've put all this effort into. At least on a base level, they're probably not going to step away completely. <laughs> but to the extent to which they will be interacting with all of this, I'm, I can't really even say... What effect will this have on the people making? Sorry, what have on people making the movie? Because you have all this IP that you've previously depended on that to make your movie pitch. IP is extremely valuable when you're pitching a movie because you can and do all sorts of stuff with it. And now we don't know how much, but definitely some of it will be thrown out into the wild. How will this affect the movie people? Define IP. It's intellectual property. Yes. Yes, sorry. Uh, uh, internet right. protocols. Not a lot of not everybody knows what we know. We gotta share the knowledge. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Rational porcupines. Also uh, <laughs> as as a small but but rather important point when uh Shogun man- mentioned the three people working on IMIST, I don't believe one of those three was uh Rawa. Hmm. Well I think that's mainly because Rawa is the only people working on iMist are really programmers to make sure that it all comes together. And, and while Rawa was the program, one of the programmers on Mist, as far as I know, I don't think he's up enough on stuff like Cocoa Touch to actually make it something that he can really do. Um, he's more shifted to maintaining the the Dunny canon. And you know, when you've got something like Mist, you don't really need Rawa's involvement to make it happen. Yes, but he understands the story. He understands the story. He understands the language. You know, he's yeah. our culture man. You know, he is our, he's the center of culture. If anybody needs a pronunciation, they go straight to Rawa. If they need something spelled, they go to Rawa. If they need a cl- canon clarification, they go to Rawa. So, yeah, and, and I, I do hope that he sticks around and, and is able to contribute to uh, this open newer thing. But I, I just don't think that people should read too much into... Uh, if Rawa isn't working on the the port of Mist of the iPhone, I don't think they should read too much into that, because there's really not any need for his areas of expertise in a product that's already been out there for 15 years. Right on. Right on. I think he's there for continuity and for, and to back up the to back up the do's and don'ts list he gave to the uh, writers. Hmm. Mm-hmm. As we said before, opening the source to the engine and server doesn't mean the content, such as the media and stuff that runs on that engine, is opened up. I'm not. I'm not saying you know. I know either way for sure, but I'm just saying I would be surprised if something in that comes out with that would reflect that set of rules that Raw released. Yeah, mm-hmm. it depends on on how they they want us to be able to deal with their intellectual property as it pertains to the story and content of Dunny. Um, because we know they're giving us the engine, we know they're giving us the server, but what they're going to let us do with adding stuff to the engine that's related to their missed intellectual property, that's where we're, we're still kind of up in the air going, well, um, I don't know. Because, you know, on the one hand, they could just let us go crazy and, you know, Pile in whatever you want right next to the stuff that's already been released as part of MOUL. Fine. On the other hand, you know they could let us take the engine and the code for the server and build new MMOs that aren't related to the Mist intellectual property. But if you're going to do something that's related to Dunny or related to Mist in any way, then you know you have to follow these rules. 
So there's two ways right, it yeah, could go. Um, yeah, or you know, it could they could stick with um, needing to get the uh, the user created art licenses. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what I that's what I meant with the you know following the rules thing is you know these are the guidelines for you know you have to meet this requirement and this requirement you can't do this and you can't do that and you know whether they do that or not I have no clue right now. Well, Speaking as a canon junkie, I kind of hope they do, but yeah, because I mean right now all we can do is speculate. That's all we can really do. We have nothing based in fact except for Urus going open source. That's all we really know. And an open source, I'm sorry. Oh. Sorry, I'll shut up. Continue. No. no, with the Wild West comment I saw somebody make, you know, they don't want it to turn into the Wild West. They want it to turn into something that is something that we are all a part of, that is within our core value system that says, you know, we help whenever we can and uh, try to rebuild what's broken. And if this isn't the absolute... Uh, art imitating life of people going back into the cavern to rebuild it, I have, you know, I mean, it's all on the pages of the Misreader Kids. It's all on the pages there. It'll tell you what to avoid. It'll tell you what to watch for. And me personally, I don't want to end up in, in Terrani and watch the and watch people walk on the back to the least. I don't want to see that. This is a poignant moment in our history. What are we going to make of it? Best we can. <laughs> It's actually challenging someone to look in the mirror and ask yourself, what are you going to do with this? What are you going to make of it? Are you going to pay attention to, to pay attention to the lessons in the canon? Are you going to go at this with blinders on that says, I'm like Viovis. If it's not of Dunny, I'm not going to handle it. You know, we don't need another Viovis. This is not the Dunny of 10,000 years ago. This is Dunny 2009. You know, you have to take that into account and welcome the old with the new. But you have to look at your look at the big picture and say, what am I going to do with this? What are we all going to do with it? Are we going to hate each other for what we do, or are we going to love each other for it? This community is so insanely diverse. At the same time, we all love Uru. Every last one of us is why we're the Uru community. I actually posted a, um, a topic on the, the MOUL forums that... Uh, I saw that. Things to remember. One of the, the points in that was, while we all have different points of view, we all see it from radically different angles... We all care about the same thing, the same Uru, and we all got to remember that, that none of us is, like, trying to destroy it or anything. We just have different views on how it, how we should go about it, what should be done. We should try to see things from other people's angles, but, you know, still put an angle on it. Just try to, to see what other people, how other people are looking at it so that then we can all work better for a better rule overall. It's showing tolerance, Stalkin. It's yes. That is the age-old lesson of tolerance, where you don't sit back and say, oh, it's my way or the highway. You leave your mind open to possibilities. It might not turn out the way you want it to, but at least it is something that maybe you can learn something from and take and use in a way that is more in your direction. Like I said it earlier, that, you know... People are going to avoid things that they don't like. They're going to embrace things that they do. But you cannot go into the forums. You cannot berate someone 
over the fact that their idea is different than yours. Everybody has their idea, their perception, and you have to be able to open your hearts and open your minds and say, okay, this is going in a different way. What can I learn? What can I contribute that can maybe do something else that might please someone else's eye? Because at the end of the day, all we can please is ourselves. You know, you try pleasing everybody, that's a losing proposition. You're not going to get anywhere. So tolerance is what I'm stressing. Tolerance above all. Love each other. Work off of each other's energy and passion. But don't put each other down. Please, I'm begging you, please don't put each other down. Because you can't get anywhere like that. I feel kind of, I'm in no position to do anything about this. I'm not concerned or worried about that particular point. The whole thing is that I pretty much figure I'm going to be on sabbatical until something happens or something comes out and uh, I will judge it at that time but I'm probably going to be how to put this I'm, I'm a harsh critic I, I don't know if you know that you harsh I'm incredibly unforgiving um, and I, I do my best not to let that come into any kind of uh, constructive criticism I give people but it's not like I reserve this for other people. I'm incredibly critical of myself. But the thing is that if I get to what we end up with, and it does not, it's not what I'm hoping is going to be a happy medium, at least between Until Uru and Mist Online. If it's not a happy medium in there, I'm pretty much going to be, well, I have other games to play on with my dime, and off I'll go. And so the burden isn't just toler- tolerating and accommodating other people. Part of the burden is going to be a trying to attract people. So maybe some people may have certain theories on how they're going to do things, but it's 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 the same it's the same problem I think plagued Cyan a little bit is they were trying to uh, maintain their particular methodology on how to make a game, but you still need to hit the fattest part of the curve if you really want to keep going. And I think that's the same thing that's gonna that that may be a plague of the community if if people don't know how to figure out how to do it, how to do it with the tools we are given. <laughs> Did yes. I just take us completely off track? Or <laughs> no, that was no, no. Um, I just I gotta say I I have a lot of respect for this guy. I do, and I'll tell you why. And I think he's he should be an example for other people because here we have somebody he he can give a criticism, he can express his concerns about something without being mean about it. You know, just because just because you have an opinion on something does not mean you need to put other people down. And if he's not happy with something, then he sort of just drops it. He says, okay, that's the way it is. And I think that if we all wanted to embrace something like that, that's how we should act. You know, we should be able to accept something. If we're concerned, we should say that. You know, it's not like we have to shut up. But don't be a jerk about it, you know? And, and that's, that's important because we should all support each other. Yeah, and that's what the community is built on. The community is built on cooperation. It is if you cannot solve the puzzle alone, what do you do? What do you do do when you can't solve a puzzle on your own, guys? Look for cheats. (laughs) (laughs) Find other puzzles. Get help. Ask for help. Yeah. There it is. It's 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 so easy. We we we've done this on how many podcasts? Reach out to Mm -hmm. your neighbors list. Reach out into the forums. Say I need help. That doesn't mean you can't be sneaky about it. You can still be sneaky. You can be like, you know, Mm -hmm. else know how to do this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, thereby, and thereby almost asking for help without asking. <laughs> well, you can. 
That's a way to save your pride. But (laughs) in all things, we get places because we work together. This is why this community is so cohesive. Before we we go, though, I I wanted um, Sherry to uh, strap Alan out into a chair, and I'll put the screws into his head, and we're going to – I want to grill him and find out what what you can tell us from your Cyan days and what kind of perspective you have on the open source versus what it was before. And what the password to the elevator is. (laughs) I don't yeah. even know if anybody there even uses the elevator anymore, honestly. But, uh, um, oh boy, well, I heard this try. is kind of fun. Yeah, I know. I actually don't asked, and nobody that I talked to knew. <laughs> don't press him. He's probably under some kind of NDA or something. I'm sure he'll conveniently forget anything that's under NDA. He shouldn't yeah. say. Laser guided amnesia. <laughs> I, I do have. I do have one thing. Alice with us. Janathus, you, me, World of Warcraft, in there. There's a section over in Hellfire Peninsula, and it is called the Temple of Talamnot. The first time I ever saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, they have a temple to Talamnot! Woohoo! <laughs> oh no. But the whole thing, every time I go to go to that temple, I have never called it the Temple of Talmud. I have always called it the Temple of Alamnot. And I must bow to you. Bow, bow, om, bow. Yes. Uh, I, as, if, as if people didn't already think that I had too much, you know, involvement and was some crazy, maniacal person. But that's okay. <laughs> yes, and the I'm still working on my evil the, the, the Temple of Alamnot believe it or not, is not but a stone's throw from Zanger Marsh with the nice little city of Telrador, which looks just like Teladon. It's really cool. But I heard tale that a guy who was a really big Mist aficionado actually did uh, Zanger Marsh, and it was his ode to Mist, which I thought was very cool. So onto the secrets you're not supposed to tell us. <clears throat> yes, yeah. secrets. Oh, yeah. secrets. <laughs> secrets that should be no longer secrets. So what, what can you what's what's your perspective on the the pre and post mule and the upcoming open guru versus the more that didn't happen? Um, well, um, I, I I should preface this with the the statement that a lot of what I'm probably going to say is colored by the fact that I run an archive for Canon. And so I kind of have my own unique perspective on how I would like things to happen. But, you know, I don't, I, I do want to state that, you know, it's not going to be something where I say it's, it's my way or the highway. And, you know, we either do it this way and canon is respected this way and, you know, blah, 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 or nothing should happen. But it's, um, I hope that made sense. So uh, you mean there's a database for canon then? It, it wasn't just like raw keeping a notebook or something. Well, no, real... there's. The, what, what I'm talking about is the archive on DPWR. Oh, that yes. Okay, that's sorry. my database of canon. <laughs> I don't. I don't actually know if Rawa has a database or not. So are linking panels animated or not? Oh boy, don't even start with that. Kind <laughs> oh, of stuff. answer, answer. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. I know it's okay. Um, that is another question I forgot to bring up: the plausibility of remote cameras in Uru. How? plausible is that um i think within within the same age it would be perfectly plausible but when you start getting into you know looking at a camera at a different age that's where it starts falling apart because 
you have to have the camera rendering what's in the other age, and if you don't have the age loaded, then you can't really do that. But, so, like, having a, uh animated linking panel that way for the Teledon book also would be a lot less plausible than having it for a linking book to the Maintainer's Nexus in Garrison. Right. So, okay. As far as, you know, my perspective on how Miss Online went and uh, what I want to see from the open source movement, I think a lot of the problems from Miss Online were largely a result of Cyan just not having enough people to meet the demands of so many different groups at the same time. And so they had to focus on one thing or another, and as a result, you know, we had releases where we had things like Jalik come out, which were targeted at giving people something to do, but since that was all they had time to do, they didn't really, you know, give anything to the people who wanted to solve puzzles or who wanted a big story move. And so, you know, those people were upset, and the people who got Jalik and wanted to just tool around with it, they were okay with it. But, you know, balancing everything with the limited resources they had was probably their biggest problem. And with Uber going open source, with everybody being able to contribute, I really hope that um, you know we can ideally keep things together on one shard, but with enough people contributing, we can give all these other groups, you know, the people who want to play around with games, the people who just want to hang out and chat, the people who want to solve puzzles, the people who want to move the story forward, we can give all of those groups things that they can do um, to keep them interested and to keep them together. Um, and obviously you're not going to be able to get everybody together because there's always going to be somebody who goes, well, I don't like the way this works. But with the open source movement, you know, they can, they can actually go off and start their own shard and do things their own way. I don't know how much of this will actually end up being, you know, the way it works, because a lot of it comes down to what we're allowed to do with canon and, you know, who's going to be willing to step up and say, okay, well, we, we can do this and we can do that and we can keep everything together and, and so on. And I know there's, on the NIST Online forum, um, a thread about setting up a guild-managed bank of servers for a shard, and that sort of seems to be where a lot of the keeping the cannon running stuff is being targeted. If that happens, I'm all for it. And, you know, if people don't want to follow along with that, that's perfectly fine with me, you know, because they can go off and, and start their own shard and, and do their own thing, and that's that's what's really cool about this. You know, we don't have to worry about people getting dissenting just because they're, you know, they're forced to stay together now. So where do you, where do you picture yourself in the, the future of our presumed open source Uru? I want to be involved, and uh, let's see. As far as where I where I stand with the Guild of Archivists, that's something that's still kind of up in the air because I want to nail down more, kind of just for my sake, what we're going to be allowed to do with canon, what's going to be considered sort of the extended universe of Dunny that players can contribute to, and what's just going to be sort of fan fiction. Um, that doesn't necessarily have to tie into anything. It doesn't have to, you know, respect the the ongoing storyline. You know, it can just be, you know, oh look, I have an age, or oh look, the story went this way, and you know. But you know, I want to make sure that there is some way to keep the story going um, in at least a semi-official way, kind of ideally like what we were going to have with uh, more, where you know we have a fan-created age license, and you know, there's a panel of people who will approve and, and reject content largely based on is it stable and does it completely conf- contradict with anything in the story. 
but at the same time, you know, we have these other shards that you can go to and, and look at stuff that's not necessarily going to follow those those guidelines. Um, but from from this perspective of an archivist, I, I want to keep it going, largely because I want to have something to do. <laughs> and I, I want to make sure that the framework is there, that people can, can contribute and really sort of blow the doors off of the Dunny universe without... I keep trying to stress this, and I don't know if I've actually done a good job of it, but I have no problem with people uh, doing fan fiction and stuff and, and going off on tangents and, and doing things that are completely off the wall in terms of, of what canon says is possible. Um, but I hope that people will understand that um, if it doesn't go into the archive, it's because you know the archive is focused on recording the story and the history of Dunny from the beginning all the way up to present day. And... The archive doesn't cover fan fiction. It never has, and I, you know, kind of don't want it to because it's sort of a separate category. But that that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, being disrespectful of it. I don't, you know, think that it shouldn't exist. It's just sort of a different uh, category of thing. Al, within these wonderful ages that these people are going to write, would it be wise for the linguist to come up with a kind of an elementary school age? that teaches you how to spell through puzzles, that teaches you how to count through puzzles, that teaches you how to put together rudimentary sentences. Because, you know, my dream is to put together the lover's age, where you have to open a door by spelling, you know, by going to four different uh, platforms and spelling peace, love, friendship, you know, and all those words in in Dunny. So you Mm -hmm. have to actually put the word together. And then it opens the door because you've learned how to spell it you know, and learn the symbology. I mean, would, is that worthy of something? Is that more fan fiction, or does that go toward the canon? Or what is, where does that fall? Um, I would actually love to see, you know, in some sort of official fashion, um, either a classroom or a full-on age uh, that is devoted to, you know, teaching people about Dunny numbers, Dunny math, Dunny language, you know, Dunny culture and history and things like that. Because it is something that I think is important, and you know, I think there are ways that it could be put together that would make it acceptable to fit into you know the sort of extended universe canon, and there are other ways that it could be done that you know would sort of restrict it from from necessarily being in there. And it all just kind of depends on how it's done, and we have to you know review the specifics and details. But I think it is possible to to put something together like that and and have it become official in some way. With your uh, canon focused, did you find the uh, Uru Live Miss Five Mule progression to be frustrating? It was frustrating to the extent that, um, especially after seeing some of the stuff behind the scenes at Cyan, it was kind of frustrating to to see all the things that sort of had to be dropped off of the to do list um, because you know the story was supposed to be a little bit more cohesive and a little bit more extensive, but it ended up getting truncated after live shutdown in 2004, and then it ended up getting truncated some more when the uh, expansion packs came out, and then ended up getting truncated some more when End of Ages came out, and then they basically had blown through the entire story by that point, and Mist Online is coming back out now, so then they had to sort of, you know, generate a whole new chapter of story that wasn't really something that was on the drawing board yet, because it was supposed to take so long to get there. And so I think... Not necessarily continuity-wise, but the level of storytelling that we're used to from science sort of suffered as a result of that because they couldn't tell the story that they had planned to, and so they had to kind of improvise and 
Lord knows, improvising wait, 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 a complicated wait. story on a short... Sorry? You, you've seen the whiteboard that we were just talking about earlier? I've seen uh, several versions of the whiteboard, um, <laughs> but I'm obviously not allowed to tell you what was on it. A lot of it was, you know, stuff that came out, so, you know, what you saw was kind of what you got. The the super secret development planning whiteboards that were in, like, you know, Rand's office, no, I never saw those. Well, is there anything that, like, already <laughs> happened that you could say was supposed to happen at some other time? Like, oh, this stuff that happened in Miss 5 is actually supposed to happen at this point in Uru, but that never happened. You know, something like that, that you could say without really spoiling anything? Well, I think, to a large degree, um, the story of Mist 5 was supposed to be in Uru, um, but it sort of got condensed down into a little story that could be told in a single-person fashion. But as far as any specifics or details about, you know, where or when or how it was supposed to show up in Uru, I have no clue. There seem to be little hints about that. I mean, they mentioned the man on uh, Nolaben in that journal. In and uh, whatever his name was from. So. Mm-hmm. Sharper mentioned it. Or no, there's yeah, a yeah, note on yeah. top of Sharper's journal. Nolaben's not it. Yeah. Any other nuggets you can share, Al? I think the one thing, not really anything specific because, you know, a lot of it was stuff that was on the drawing board and then never happened and, you know, probably shouldn't talk about that kind of stuff. But, uh, in, in, in general terms, there was a lot of stuff that Cyan had planned. It's not like they were making it up day to day as they went along, like I think some people suspect. Um, it's just that for you know a number of different reasons, things ended up changing or, or being dropped or you know, sort of being added um, along the way that weren't necessarily part of the original plan. And that's, I think, a lot of why it seemed sort of hacked together, because you know the plan didn't end up being executed the way the plan was supposed to be executed. Do you think we'll ever get the the whole plan released to us? Like when this, if this, like uh, depending on how this goes open source, do you think they'll uh, just give us this content or give a body this content and let us roll with it? I don't know honestly because I I I, I just don't know how how intent they are on being able to come back into the arena again. And so I think, you know, if they're basically just giving it to us and saying, we're hands-off from now on, and, you know, you run with it and do your own thing, and, you know, we'll come up with something else to do in the future, we might get more of that. But, you know, if they have any intention of, you know, if this becomes successful, um, coming back in and picking up the reins and launching an official server and doing their own thing, you can pretty much bet that they're not going to release anything more mm-hmm. than what they absolutely have to. God, Al, you're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here, and I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm humming in my head, you know, you can call me Al by Paul Simon. Uh-huh. Oh, you can call me Betty as long as I can call you Al. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, goodness. Well, next, this has actually been our first freeform panel interview, which we didn't plan. But hey. we just kind of ganged out to do one for a long time. Yeah, we've we've all got the uh, screwdrivers I've... into the pins, you know. <laughs> Let's wrap it up, guys. City Cavern today. This has been Anthony, Alana, Dalkin Starbine, Morris, Janathus, Leo, Wolfgang, and me, Sherry. And we're signing off. Bye, everyone. Hi, Jeff Wise here. Now, I know you don't hear me speak a whole lot around these parts, but with everyone packing up their stuff, I figured this might be my last chance to say something. 
Music has always been a passion of mine, converting the emotions and moods I feel into music. But there was a period of time in which I had not written anything for years. I just found myself too busy and unfocused to compose. Then Wheelie Ankberg died. That event in the cavern affected me so deeply that I simply had to put it into music. Kareth Arch, I called it, named after the first majestic thing I saw when I turned away from the site of Wheelie's accident. It was also the first time I got directly involved with the cavern today. I shared my piece of music with them and soon found more and more inspirations around the cavern and the ages. Now I consider all the folks here at TCT my friends and I couldn't be happier with the journey. I'd like to present my newest composition to you. It's called One Last Time. Since I was thinking back on all the fun I've had being a part of TCT and the Uru community as I wrote it. Enjoy!
That was One Last Time by Jeff Wise. Speaking of One Last Time, it wouldn't be our final The Cavern Today Topside podcast if we didn't hear from the inimitable Mr. Mowog. Hello again, this is Mowog for The Cavern Today Topside. So, the time has finally come. Many times during the past three years I'd look at what we'd accomplished with The Cavern Today and wonder to myself, how will it all end? Will it die gradually from lack of interest? Will we kill it ourselves by dropping the ball, losing the vision, and turning against one another? Or will we shut it down when the time is right and while we're still strong? As much as I hate to see the cavern today close up shop, I'm very proud to state that we've taken that latter course. We still like each other. We enjoy what we do, and we love Uru and Cyan worlds. But we agree that with the demise of Uru Live, the cavern today has lost its subject matter and its relevance. The Uru community has chosen any number of different lifeboats, and although we're managing to stay in contact, we're slowly paddling off in different directions. I can foresee the day when only a small circle of friends will keep the forums alive, the bulk of the community having drifted away to other, if lesser, pursuits. But what an amazing trip it's been. And I started early. Although I didn't participate in the original Uru beta, I still tried to stay abreast of all the development news via the forums. I joined the Ubi Uru Forum on June 11th of 2003 and have been a regular fixture on that board ever since. I remember the electric thrill I got when I first linked into single-player Uru, ages beyond mist, started my walk toward the volcano, and heard that music begin to play. I knew then that I was in for a truly amazing experience, and as exhilarating as that original impression was, it carried with it the promise that I'd soon be able to join my fellow explorers in the cavern that I'd be able to visit ages with them, solve puzzles with them, text with them, and maybe speak with them, and that new ages and new books would continue to dazzle us as the adventure continued. And that thrill culminated when one afternoon I came home from work to find that I'd received an email from one Jeff Zandy informing me that I'd been chosen to join in the adventure. And in less time than it takes to tell, I had joined the Uru Life Prologue in LinkedIn. I vividly recall that the first time I saw a fellow explorer was in my hood. I don't recall her name now, but she appeared to be German, and being a bit shy, I didn't quite know how to respond, so I linked straight to my relto. But as time went by, I came to welcome and relish the time spent in the cavern and ages with my fellow explorers. Uru and the Uru forums were electrifying places to be in the early days. True, the cavern could be quite buggy, with long lags and link death and ghost abbeys, holes in the terrain, and various other quirks to keep us entertained, but it was all new, and we understood that the glitches were merely teething pains as this fabulous new world took shape around us. Even with the flaws in the game, the forums were refreshingly upbeat as we discussed what was to come. Any time a new area of the cavern would open, an announcement would hit the forum, and at the first available moment I'd link to the cavern to find a crowd already there drinking in the new scenery. We'd marvel together, talk together, explore together, laugh together, and dream together, just as we'd hoped we could do when it all began. The ambiance of the cavern was addictive. It was exciting just to walk around admiring the sights, or to sit and chat, or to just sit. And that's where we were when Prologue was suddenly cancelled by Ubisoft. We knew that development had been a bit behind, and the silence from Cyan was a bit ominous, but we never expected the project to be shut down, and the news hit the community like a ton of bricks. It never occurred to us that this amazing persistent online world with its breathtaking scenery and timeless story could simply be turned off due to a business decision. 
and in truth, even though we no longer had collective access to the cavern, the experience itself was definitely not turned off. The community was still alive and thriving. The seed had been planted, and we banded together, vowing that we would weather any storm and be there when Uru returned, and we fully expected that it would return. It was just too good not to. Well, the two expansion packs, to Dunny and the Path of the Shell, followed shortly thereafter. And they were bittersweet gifts that helped fan the flames for a while. Yes, the New Ages were amazing, but we understood that we could only explore them alone and that the stories had been compromised as a result. But there was still hope. For those of you who weren't there, you'll just have to imagine the thrill that rippled through the forums when we learned that Cyan was working on a way that we could explore together again. They were generous enough to share their server code with the community and to provide a downloadable plugin that would allow us to continue our adventure together, albeit on separate shards and without new content. And thus was born Until Uru. A true expression of Cyan's high regard for the fans, UU was provided at Cyan's expense just so we could relive at least a portion of the original dream until times got better. And to our delight, even though UU was far from perfect, it preserved many of the bugs from Prologue, as well as introducing a few of its own, the community rallied around the UU flag and brought it to vibrant life, even though there were no new stories nor ages. So we made our own stories, and it's significant to note that it was during the UU period that our humble podcast, The Cavern Today, was born. When we first began to chat up the idea of an Uru podcast on the forums, none of us had much experience, if any, in podcasting. But we had plenty of ideas, and that was what really mattered. We imagined TCT providing a regular newscast to the Uru community. We started planning a regular dramatic series unique to TCT and based on the Uru experience. We imagined panel discussions, interviews with community members, and perhaps someday, dare we dream, interviews with the creators at Cyan. Had we known then that we'd eventually interview Richard Rawa Watson, Ryan Miller, Josh Staub, and finally Rand Miller himself, multiple times, I'm not sure what we would have thought. The Cavern today was eventually to see us chatting with most of the Cyan staff, as well as with several community stalwarts, shard admins, and so on. And we learned fast. The Cavern today truly came into its own as the premier podcast of the Uru community, and we took our responsibilities very seriously. Even though The Cavern Today was the first podcasting experience for most of us, we soon discovered that we had latent talents as writers, producers, editors, newscasters, voice actors, sound effects engineers, forum admins, musicians, etc., etc., and we all rose to the occasion, defined and played our roles to the best of our abilities, and each of us admired and respected the talents of our teammates. For the most part, there was very little rivalry among us. True, we had our disagreements at times, along with a schism among the staff that saw several of us leave to form a separate team with a separate product. But the Cavern Today survived, and as time went by, it developed a style all its own and truly hit its stride. We were there when Until Uru transitioned into the Damala era, and in fact we were actually contacted by Cyan and were requested to break the news, via an interview with Rand, that UU would soon be hosted on a single server owned by Cyan themselves. I interviewed Rand that time, and in spite of some infuriating audio problems on my end, we got a good interview, and we look forward to breaking the news. Wouldn't you know it, Rand posted the news on the Uru forum the day before we aired the podcast, but still, that was our golden opportunity to provide breaking news from the top, and it was amazing. The Cavern Today was there for the Game Tap news as well, and shortly thereafter, seven of our staff met personally at Cyan headquarters for Mysterium 2006. 
that was a mountaintop experience for all of us, to be sure. I cherish the group photos depicting Anne D., Tyon, Supergram, Jocelyn, Drachmith, Ken Telenome, Wolfgang, Jade, and me posing with Rand in the garden behind the Cyan building. It just doesn't get any better than that. Well, okay, maybe it does. There's that one photo I have with just me and Rand. He remembered me from the TCT interviews. And I remembered him from... Mist, Riven, Exile, Revelation, End of Ages. You get the idea. And needless to say, it took me a while to come down from that one. So through all the highs and lows, the cavern today has been there. It's been an exciting ride. It's also been a joy and a privilege to serve the extraordinary folks in the Ura community, each and every one of you. We cross time zones, state lines, international boundaries, and oceans, but we're a community in the true sense. And if we've helped to draw you closer together, to inform you, or to amuse you, then our work has not been in vain. With this final Moag thought, let me add my personal farewell to all of you. I'll still be a regular on the forums, but I will keenly miss the opportunity to speak to you like this. It's meant a lot to me, and thank you so much for listening. For the Cavern Today topside, this is Moag signing off, and to all my brothers and sisters in the community, Please accept a warm and heartfelt shora. On the note of musical offerings, we revamped the intro music a few podcasts ago. While we didn't make a big fanfare of it, that revamping was the handiwork of our staffer, Morris. And adding to his contributions to this particular podcast is this his rendition of Down by the Sally Gardens. My love and I did meet She passed the Sally Gardens With little snow-white feet She bid me take love easy As the leaves grow on the tree But I, being young and foolish, with her did not agree. In a field by the river, my love and I did stand, and on her shoulder she placed her snow white hand she bid me take life easy as the grass grows on the wheels but I was young and foolish and now am full of tears. Some of you might have noticed that Sherry has been missing from a few podcasts. The Cavern Today is a volunteer project, and as much as Janathus would like to dock our <coughs> non-existent pay for not contributing, we do not question people who have to drift away for one reason or another. That is not to say that we don't miss them. So, it is with great glee that we found her not only wishing to participate in TCT Talk again, but also willing to give you her signature brand of wisdom. 
Hi everyone, it's Sherry for the Cavern today. A couple of nights ago, I was sitting on top of a tall tower in a place called Ice Crown when my druid in World of Warcraft dinged 80. Now, for those of you who don't play WoW, well, dinging is the expression used to denote that you've achieved the next level. Besides, since the release of Wrath of the Lich King, well, that's the highest level you can get to. As I sat there, I took some time to enjoy the moment. Then I politely turned off my computer and poured myself exhausted into bed, and was grateful that the journey to 80 was over. The next day, I sat down in front of my computer, and I realized what I had really done. I got onto a boat from Northrend, and I went to Stormwind City, did a little bit of business at the auction house, and there, a level 23 tune walked by me and went, Whoa, nice job on 80. I had to chuckle as I thanked him because when I saw what level he was, it made me realize how far I had actually come. So, in a fit of nostalgia, I jumped on another boat and headed all the way back to Teldrassil, starting area for the Night Elves. As I rode my trusty steed through the forest, passing single-digit tunes on my way, I finally reached the place where I started my tune over a year ago, and it really started to sink in how much I had actually done. I sat back and considered the journey that I had gone on, and all the time and effort I spent on my little project, getting my tune as good as I could get her. I've always been goal-oriented, so to set a high goal is something I'm used to. Goals aside, though, reaching 80 made me think of a quote from Patrick Stewart as Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Someone once told me that time was a predator that stalked us all our lives. I rather believe that time is a companion who goes with us on the journey and reminds us to cherish every moment, because it'll never come again. And as I looked around Teldrassil, looking at all the level 1 through 10s running around, it reminded me of a few things. A while back, I was talking on TCG Talk about how I had made the journey from 1 to 70 by myself. Well, some people took offense to that. I don't know why, but I do know this. The people who complained at me for that comment were companions on my journey that I had failed to mention that they were there with me. They didn't mash the buttons on my keyboard for me, but they did impart some very crucial advice. They even came and saved me from some very excruciating moments when I didn't think I could get much further. As I look back on 1 through 80, I've come to realize that I've had many companions on my journey, all of which I have had the privilege of enjoying their company, their wit, and their wisdom during the trip. I will never say that it was easy, because in truth it wasn't. But in the immortal words of Aerosmith, life's a journey, not a destination. So I thank all of my companions that are too many to mention individually, but know who they are, for their contributions to my character's development over the last year. Lots of advice that came my way is still being used and paid forward, so I hope that there is some comfort in them for that. But in all things, no well-bred Uruite would be right without their explorer gene. You know what I'm talking about, that endless need to explore everything around you and take the time to enjoy the nuances of the environment. Well, since the achievement system came into play in WoW, they have a whole section devoted to exploring. And being as I'm a newer wife, I took special pride in seeing the words, Relima has explored X area, you know, wherever I had gone, down in the bottom left-hand corner of my screen. But then, just a day after turning 80, I realized why I had worked so hard to get there. A final pass over Onslaught Hold in Ice Crown did it. There was a ding, and, uh... 
a little line in the corner that read, Congratulations! You're a world explorer, and you've earned the title of The Explorer. You know, nothing is a bigger thrill for an Uruite like me to look at the screen and at my tune and having my nameplate read, Relima, The Explorer. Nothing is so perfectly apt to describe an Uruite like me and wow. I even got a really neat tabard with something that looks like it came straight from the Guild of Surveyors as my prize for doing all that exploring. But through it all, though, no matter what world I play in, no matter what I do, I guess I'm still an Uruite through and through, and I would be nowhere without my cavern family or my explorer gene. It reminds me of one more common-sense fact. You never know what your journey will bring. You never know quite what to expect from what's around that next unexplored corner. So, I'll just let a familiar voice wrap it up for me. Not what you expected, is it, Traveler? No, it wasn't. But then again, that's just me, of course. For The Cavern Today, this is Sherry, signing off. folks, here we are at the end. The last of the TCT staffers are piling boxes away into their cars. Boxes which, oddly enough, aren't my means of choice in getting home this time. I'll be hitching a ride with a few others, at Shari's behest. It'll probably be more enjoyable than sending myself care of the local postal service, and the food will certainly be more nutritious than eating my own shoes. While this podcast does mark the ending for some, the future of the cavern today has always been tied to that of Uru, and seeing as the future of Uru is looking less skeptical, the chances of TCT returning are looking that much more likely. When you hear from the cavern today next isn't so definite, but until that time, I still have my relative book handy, ready to return when the next group of explorers choose to populate the cavern. Okay, okay. Come on, Wolfgang. We're going. Oop. Looks like they're calling me. For the last topside, this is the cavern today and your host, Wolfgang D, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>